I called the message last week, and of course the message today, the regathering, because that's what this is. You might go, it's really small compared to what it used to be. Yeah, but we've made a start, amen? amen. And isn't it great to see other people and to sing before the Lord? And I know many are watching in, but you know, even we are like a start, I hope by the grace of God, eventually for everyone watching in as well. So we're regathering. For the first time in almost four months, we're together again. And it's lovely, not just watching a screen, it's lovely to see human faces. Amen. Praise God. So, the regathering, let me just tell you where I was last week, because I know not everyone uh, was able to catch it last week. So, just very briefly, we're in the Old Testament, we're looking at the Israelites, who back then, uh, you could say were the people of God, similar a little bit to Christians today, and they were gathering again, having been exiles in Babylon, which was in modern-day Iraq, and for um, a period of up to 70 years, they had been thrown out of their own land and they had to live in Babylon and they couldn't come together and worship in the temple because the enemy destroyed it. And now for the first time, the government back then, the emperor allowed the Jews, the Israelites, to come back. So they're all gathering together again. It wasn't all of them. Many of them stayed on in Babylon for a while. But the first wave, you're the first wave here in the building. Hallelujah. Amen. And the people who were at 10 and the people who will be here, well, you're the first wave. But uh, many more waves came uh, when they could. But they came back. So there's this air of excitement, air of trepidation. People are wondering, what's it going to feel like? What's it going to be like? And so they're gathering together again, and these are the people, and this is the context. And we saw last week that the very first thing they did was they built an altar so that they could bring their sacrifices unto the Lord. And these were wheat, for example, meat and so on, animals, and they sacrificed them to the Lord. And as they did that, the smoke went up, and uh, the Bible tells us the Lord would uh, smell that aroma, and it was pleasing to him. And we're told in the New Testament today, the altar is where we worship and adore God. That's what we were doing. We weren't just singing a song. Do you agree with that? Some of us think it was just a good old sing song, really. This is not a sing song. We're singing to God. It's called worship. It's our adoration. So they sacrifices. We brought our sacrifice of praise to the Lord. It's where our minds are renewed by hearing the word of God. That's what's happening now. It's where we can bring our prayers and our supplication to the Lord. And that will happen just in a moment when I finished. We can bring our prayers before the Lord. So that's what they did. It was the first thing they did. Um, and, but they, the temple was ruined. It had been knocked down. And not only did they not have any walls of the temple or doors or roof or anything like that, we're also told that they gathered despite their fear of danger from hostile peoples all around them. So the people of God had their first regathering and there was a bit of danger. And I know some people um, need to be very careful with the virus. Thank God the, the incidence in the community is low in Ireland. Amen? Amen? I know there's some people watching in from Texas and America and I know, and Brazil, and I know it's in a very different 
um, curve, part of the curve there. But thank God, for now it seems to be quite low, so we're praising God for that. But there's always an element of danger, and the people back here gathered together even though there was an element of danger. Now, they didn't go out to the hostile peoples around and go, ah, here I am, come and get me. They weren't looking for a fight. So that's why when we're wearing face masks and so on and sanitizing our hands, we're not looking for trouble, but we're not going to allow fear to totally Amen. dominate us either. Amen? Amen? So it's that good balance of wisdom, but not being paranoid and not being afraid. And uh, that's not a judgment on anyone. I know some people really do need to stay at home and watch online. That's 100%. But these people had danger, just like anyone coming out of bed in the morning is in danger. Whether we get knocked over by a bus or we pick up a virus, there's always an element of danger. So they still gathered together, and then not only that, they all got and worked together because everyone who returned from Babylon to Jerusalem supported the rebuilding work. And they did it in ways like financial, they rolled up their sleeves and physically helped. They gave moral support, emotional support, prayer support, all of that. So that's where we left it last week, and this week we're moving on to the next few verses of the book of Ezra. If you've never read Ezra, it's a brilliant book, um, and to get the full impact, just read these couple of chapters of Ezra 1, 2, and 3, and 4 uh, in your own time, and you'll get the full impact of what I'm talking about today. So the people are regathering, and the book of Ezra, uh, chapter 310, if you're listening on podcast to chapter 4-3. That's where we're looking at today's message. So may God bless the word, the Bible, to our souls. We pray. Could I just ask everyone as you sit, would you put your hand on your head? We pray, Lord, that your word would renew our minds today. In Jesus' name. So may God renew our minds as we consider his word. Here are some of the main verses from this portion of Scripture. Hope you can all see that out in Facebook and Instagram land. Here, we've got a lovely new television screen right in the middle of the stage, just for you guys, so hope you can see it. We're told, when they, the Israelites who had come back, laid the foundations of the temple, all the priests and musicians led the people in praise and together they sang, He is good and his love endures forever. Amen. But like you and I sang a while ago, He is good. They sang that thousands of years ago. The people of God have been singing that for thousands of years. Hallelujah. Many gave a great shout of joyful praise to the Lord as the foundations of God's house were laid. But many of the older ones who had seen the former temple and remembered it, wept aloud. At the same time, many others were shouting for joy, so much so that no one could distinguish between the sounds of joy and the sound of weeping. Such was the noise. This sound was heard far away, even by Israel's enemies. So here's this 
portion of the Bible, and many of you will be familiar with it, and many others, this is all new to you, and maybe it sounds a bit strange, but let me give you a bit more context. This, in effect, was a tale of two temples. The temple in Jerusalem in the Old Testament was where all the people of God gathered to worship, a bit like a Christian church like here today. Everyone would gather in this building to worship. The very first temple was called Solomon's Temple, one of the wisest men who ever lived. But that had been destroyed by the Babylonians. It was burnt down and destroyed. And so these people were trying to rebuild a new temple on the ruins of the old one. Solomon's temple was full of glory and it was built when Israel was at its wealthiest, when it had the biggest impact around the known world then. Israel in the reign of Solomon had more territory then than it ever had. And now this new temple they were trying to rebuild was a far more modest affair. It didn't have a lot of the things the original temple had. And maybe you're in here today and you're going, oh my goodness, I really am struggling with not being able to hug my friends. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Kay. We miss hugging you too, my love. <laughs> Many others may be here today and go, you know, I miss the kids running around, or I miss having coffee upstairs, um, and lounging up there in the atrium and having community after church or before church there. There's a lot of things we could say we miss. I miss not having to wear a face mask, whatever it is. But back then, some of the guys were missing what they no longer had. This isn't just about church. During this lockdown, many people have lost their jobs. And maybe that's you, and you're feeling that loss. Marriages have broken down. People have lost friends. Some people have just found that with the isolation, something has impacted them spiritually, that they're no longer connecting with God the way they used to be. Others have lost the opportunity to travel, to start a new course, to do something new. There's a great sense of loss around. So maybe you're here today and inside, or you're watching online today, and inside there's a sense of grieving for what you can't have. Maybe you really are watching from home and you're deeply saddened that you can't physically be in the building. And, and that's why we all want to say, God bless you. Can we say, God bless you to the guys? One, two, three. God bless you. So the guys here are wishing you all well watching in. God bless you indeed. So the people are here in this beginnings of a new temple. Remember, it's in ruins. There's an altar and there's a foundation. But anyone who's seen a foundation, it's only a promise of something to come. It's not a building. It can't give you shade from the sun or protection from the wind and rain. A foundation is only a promise. So they're gathering here and for the first time in many decades, they're able to worship together again. And as they do it, it's a tale of two mindsets in effect. So some of the people are overjoyed that we can physically meet together again. Maybe that's someone here. Is that anyone here? Yes. Yeah. Five people. Uh. Is that anyone here? Yeah. Okay, if you're watching on or you're listening in later on the podcast, that is almost everyone here. It's the same at the 10 o'clock with the full hall. Everyone was really enthusiastic. But some people obviously were missing an awful lot what they weren't able to have. 
And that's the same with your life. And your mindset, and my mental health, and your mental health are hugely determined with how we view events in our lives. If you view loss in your life as something terrible, and it can be terrible, don't get me wrong, but if that overshadows everything else, it puts our minds and our hearts in a strange place. But if we view of something that we've lost and we go, you know, I've lost my job or I've lost that friendship or I lost that opportunity. You know the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? The Christian will go, or we should, God has something better for me. Amen. I lost a friend, okay, God is a better friend for me. I lost an opportunity, God is protecting me from something. You know, we have a whole different attitude to loss and that's why Christians tend to live a lot longer than others, tend to have fairly good health more than others, tend to have a better quality of life than others. So there's two mindsets going on. It's really important though that we all understand God wasn't saying one crowd were right and one crowd were wrong. If we need to weep, aren't we allowed to weep in the house of God? Yeah. If you've lost something and you're coming in here today and your heart is broken, it's okay to weep. Your tears aren't contagious, hallelujah. This is a safe place where people can weep if that's the case. But, but we do need to see beyond the weeping as well. Look at the, the weeping here. We're told here in verse 12 that those who had seen the former temple wept aloud when the temple foundations were laid. Just picture it. There's a load of people around you and they're full of joy. And there you are weeping. And it's not like a quiet tear in a dark corner. It's, ah, I mean, they were weeping aloud. This was so important to them. It's not like, ah, yeah, yeah, I go to the temple once a year. It's great. This was their whole life. Their identity was tied in with their spirituality. I hope that's the same for us. Amen? Amen. Because... Our spirituality is a huge part of who we are. And so they wept aloud. Why were they weeping? Now, can I just explain? This was probably a generation thing. So while the um, exile was for 70 years, it took decades for all of the Israelites to be sent from Israel to Babylon. So basically, from about the age of 50 and upwards, that generation remembered how good it used to be. Whereas the younger people had no memory of it. So for them, even though it was only a foundation, they were a bullion, they were delighted. But for the older people, they remembered what they had lost. What had they lost? Well, the older people remembered a glorious building, a gorgeous temple. But no, they were in a ruined building. So what were they missing? They were also missing the Ark of the Covenant. This was the beautiful, ornate, container box that carried the Ten Commandments. It wasn't just that, it had the presence of God in a powerful way. This really was awesome. So much so that some people who shouldn't have gone near it and they went near it with a wrong heart and tried to touch it, God struck them dead. It was that type of awesome power from heaven with it. But the Ark of the Covenant was no longer there for this second, Zerubbabel. He was the guy who built the second temple that we're reading with today. It's not there. So that, that was missing. There was miraculous fire in Solomon's temple. We're told that when they put the sacrifices on the altar, fire would come from heaven and consume the sacrifices. 
Shady, would you love to be at a meeting like that? No, not really, no. I like a very quiet meeting. I would love to be at a meeting where fire from heaven came and whoosh. And there's nobody with a fire lighter kind of slinking around afterwards, sneaking out. This was a miracle. There was miraculous fire from heaven. But there was no miraculous fire here in Zerubbabel's temple. And so a lot of the older guys were weeping at the loss of that. The anointing oil was gone. This is where they would anoint prophets and Levitical priesthood. Not Catholic priests, it's a different type of priesthood. They would anoint them, even the kings. That was now gone. The heavenly manna. They had kept manna from the miracle in, in uh, the desert. And that was now gone, so that was no longer there. And the Shekinah glory, which is basically when the glory of God was so powerful, when they gathered together, that the priests couldn't even stand. They fell. They collapsed under the power of the Holy Spirit as such then. But that wasn't happening in this new temple. So a lot of the older guys were weeping with all of that gone. But the younger guys, they had never seen it. So there was no loss. It's a bit like you never miss what you didn't have. Isn't that true? Um, when Denise and I, in another life, used to go on holidays in France. <laughs> There's no holidays this year. Anyway. But when we used to go, uh, where we'd stay, we wouldn't have any TV or Wi-Fi or anything. Um, because we just like to read and talk and walk and cook and all of that kind of thing. Uh, and so we feel we, we don't need it. And you know, after a while, it reminds me of when I was younger, when there was no Wi-Fi and really there was no TV almost. So there's something in our souls where we can just switch off from online and TV quite easy. And screens, have no screens. But dare I suggest for many younger people to tell them you can't have a screen is like saying, I'm cutting off both your hands and knees. Right. So try and flip that the other way. You see, uh, we remember a time when we didn't have it. So there's something in us that we can get by without it, fine. But, but, but if you did have it, you can miss it. And that's what was going on here. So half the people were weeping, half were rejoicing. Let me just push the pause button and tell you uh, a little story about when I was 18. In the 90, year of 1979, I was just starting to do my leaving cert, or starting school. I did it in 1980. And um, a law was passed in Ireland, and uh, it was where it made it compulsory to wear a safety belt in a car. And this was passed because so many people were dying in car crashes, and they would go through the windscreens. It was horrific. The amount of people who died back then was way more than it is now in any car crash. And the government instituted this, and it was a big campaign on the media called Belt Up. And I just started to learn how to drive when I was just hitting 18 in 1979. And so straight away, as soon as I started learning how to drive, I just put on a safety belt. So as an 18-year-old, I never knew what it was to drive without a safety belt. But my goodness, did my father struggle with it. Oh, he hated this new law. And someone told him, or he read it in some quacky paper or other, that if you wear a safety belt, it will cause you damage, you see? And I can remember him banging the table at home and saying, I'm not wearing no seatbelt! It'll crack your spine! It'll dislocate your shoulder! No seatbelts! Grand like, you know, but 
the law says you got to wear them, and, and, and so I started wearing them anyway. And uh, my father refused to wear one until one day the guard caught him, and the guard gave him a good telling to, and told him if he didn't have it the next day, he was going to get a fine. So uh, my dad started wearing a seatbelt after that. But you can see the difference between change. You see, life is all about change. Your body is aging even as we speak. Whether you're a teenager or you're in your 80s or anything in between, our bodies keep changing. Time doesn't stop for anyone. And life is all about change. And the Christian life celebrates that change. And so to resist change is really not wise. It's not a good thing to do. So when my dad was resisting the safety belt thing, really it wasn't wise. And you know what? His spine didn't crack. Hallelujah. He lived until he was 87 and he drove up until he was about 85. He never had an issue with the safety belt. It was a whole load of hot air. It's a bit like these, the face masks. I bet you the day will come in a couple of months where we won't even realize we have them on us going around until the virus is gone or they get a, a vaccine or whatever. It's, a, it's just adjusting. You are the first wave. You're wearing them. None of us find them comfortable, but by doing so, we bless others, protect others. We bless ourselves and we protect ourselves. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's try that one again. Amen? Amen. If you... If, if you're watching online and it sounds a bit muffled, see, they all have face masks, so that's what you're hearing. So, okay, it's all change, and the people of God are here, and your life has changed. Everyone in here and watching, your life has changed. Your job has changed, your education, your home life, your friendships, your relationships, your outlook on the future, your realities, your issue with health. So many people missed all different things, whether it was going out for coffee or whatever it was, going out for meals. Everything has changed. But we need to be wise and see this is a changing world. We have to adapt with it. And the people of God have such an advantage because God is for us. He's not against us. Hallelujah. And if God is for you, nothing can separate you and me from the love of God. And he'll look out for us. Let's get back to our uh, scripture text. We're show, told that many gave a great shout of joy. These were the younger people. They, the older people were crying and the younger people were delighted. You know what? Maybe today it, you look around and it's like there's only foundations of the temple. It's not like the temple here is fantastic. Maybe you remember a better time. I hope that God will give all of us. There's a time to weep. There's a time to rejoice as well. That we can all come to the place where we go. You know what? It's not the way it used to be, but God has something great in store. And thank God this is the first step, step back to normality. Amen? So they gave a great shout of joy because God was regathering his people. Even though there was danger and there was a lot of work to do, they saw the future. And we're told no one could distinguish the sound of weeping from the shouts of joy. Within the house of God, within a gathering like this, if you need to weep, it's okay to weep. Amen. Amen. But it's also okay to rejoice. And both were allowed in the house of God. And with this honesty, and it's the same watching in, with this authenticity, the enemy was threatened. Because he, or they, heard the sound far away. Israel's enemies heard that sound. You know, the evil ones, Satan, demons, they hear it when you praise God. Did you know that? 
but okay, they do. But more importantly, God hears it. It's like a beautiful aroma going up to the Lord. He he smells our sacrifice of praise. And so the people shouted, He is good and his love endures forever. And you know, just to quote, rejoice, Paul says this in the New Testament, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Again I say rejoice. So even though you may have lost something, you have to find something in your soul as well, even though your emotions are one way, to just make a mental decision, a spiritual decision, I will praise God no matter what. Amen? Amen. I will praise God no matter what I've lost. I'll acknowledge it, but I know God has something better in the future. It feels like New Year's Eve here, <laughs> even though it's July. But I often quote this verse from Philippians 3, 13 on New Year's Eve. And Paul wrote, I leave behind the past and I strain towards what lies ahead, press on to the prize. And Paul was using the illustration to the Greek speaking people who knew the original Olympics and the runners straining on to win the prize. And that's what our faith journey is like. You've taken a very important step today, either by coming in the building or tuning in, in that we are pressing on to the prize. Hallelujah. Amen. Because God is a greater prize for all of us. So what I want to do today, I'm going to pray and just allow the Holy Spirit to move in a moment. But I do want to just highlight one more verse, which we looked at earlier. Verse 11. They're all there. They gather together. And out loud they say, he is good and his love endures forever. Can I ask you to stand, please, on your feet? And I'm going to ask you, can you say this out loud with me? Can we declare to the Lord? Can we declare to our own souls? Can we declare to the evil one? Can we declare to one another? He is good and his love endures forever. Guys, you've been almost four months with the possibility of doing this. Hallelujah, we can do it here and now. So at the count of three, let's do it together as loud as you can you've got your face mask on no one will pick up anything okay one two three he is good and his love endures forever i'm going to ask you to do it again i'm going to ask that you lift your right hand to the lord because you're saying it to the lord so just lift up your right hand to god if you feel this is genuine for you to say it let's say it at the count of three one two three he is good and his love endures forever. forever. Hallelujah.